Have you heard? Amazon is now hiring for their new site opening soon in New Albany. Be one of the first to take advantage of launching a new career at one of the best workplaces in the world. Being a part of Amazon includes great benefits and competitive pay, plus many opportunities for advancement. So get a new job today and kickstart a new career tomorrow. Learn more about the perks of working at a new Amazon site. Go to amazon.com slash start now. Amazon is proud to be an equal opportunity employer. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. The X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. All-Hit Radio! Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome back, everyone. This is the final hour of tonight's edition of the X-Zone. My name is Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. You can always uh, send us an email, studio at xzoneradiotv.com on all social media sites, TV. And we're coming to you around the world on the X-Zone Broadcast Network and our growing family of broadcast affiliates and satellite programming providers. Our website, exxoneradiotv.com. Plain and simple. Unlike what's going on in the world today. Now, let me see. So far, we know that the Minnesota Stabber was um, from Somali, apparently in Minnesota. It has the largest group of Somali immigrants. Uh, Then you had the person responsible for the bombings in New York and in New Jersey from Afghanistan. Okay. What is going on in the world today? It seems that it seems that as hard as you try to maintain a safe and secure world. Let me rephrase it. Safe and secure country, the United States and Canada. It's getting harder to do these days. To try and help put some semblance onto this weird wacky and just dumb world. I've asked a good friend of mine, Howard Bloom, to come and join us on the show. Howard is the author of The Muhammad Code and uh, several other great books. Visit his website, howardbloom.net. And Howard, um, what is going on, my friend? You, you it's been and a I... crazy weekend. The big oh. problem is, uh, you, you would think, if you listen to Donald Trump, that the big problem is Muslim immigrants. It's not. It's the kids of Muslim immigrants. Mm-hmm. Both uh, Ahmed Khan Rahami, who is the... Uh, not kid, he's a 28-year-old from Linden, New Jersey, yes. who was responsible for a bomb on uh, 23rd Street that did go off, a bomb on approximately 26th Street that didn't go off, a pressure cooker bomb, uh, five bombs in a pipe, pipe bombs in a single package found in New Jersey, and uh, a bomb that did go off, but at the wrong time, fortunately, um, near the ocean uh, in New Jersey that was scheduled to go off during a Veterans Day uh, marathon of some kind, a 5K marathon. This one guy was responsible for all of this. And if you and I had been living in Linden, New Jersey, we probably would have spent some time at the first American fried chicken place. Um, it was, uh, there was a crowd that hung out there. They mm-hmm. hung out. The place was open 24 hours a day. 
the crowd hung out there all night long. They unfortunately would go out and make a lot of noise on other people's driveways nearby, and they would pee on the driveways. One way or the other, Ahmad Khan uh, Rahami was described by his friends as one of the friendliest people in the world. If you didn't have money and you were a regular, he'd give you free fried chicken. He seemed to be a wonderful human being. But he's the man who planted more bombs than I can count um, in New Jersey and New York over the weekend. Um, Dahir Adan, Aiden, he's the 22-year-old in uh, St. Paul, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, we have no indication yet of what his personal characteristics was like, were like. He did not spend any time in jail. His, traf- his infractions against the law were minor traffic infractions. He looks like a wonderful, splendid person. He, like um, Ahmed Khan Rahami, uh, came to the United States from Kenya, even though he's from Somalia, with his parents as a child. He grew up here. Um, so both of these men grew up here. Both of these men grew up surrounded by American culture. But they remind me of something that I saw at work when I was working with uh, Run DMC and Russell Simmons. Russell Simmons was the ultimate promoter of rap music. He was phenomenal. Um, their parents were part of the first generation that was allowed out of the black ghettos. So their parents, who were both professionals, they were both educators, um, moved out to a community in Queens that was primarily white and was primarily middle class. Mm-hmm. They were doing it to give their kids a chance to grow up middle class in mainstream American culture. Sure. But what do their kids really love? Their kids love going back to their roots. Their kids love the music and dance of Harlem. And it was the music and dance of Harlem that they brought to life in the rap movement that Russell Simmons almost single-handedly brought to life and that Run DMC was at the center of for a long time. So kids have a tendency, the second generation. All right, stand by, Howard. You and I have to take our first break. Exo Nation, Howard Bloom is our special guest, www.howardbloom.net. And Howard is the author of The Rosetta Stone of the Middle East. Well, that's what I call it anyway. And I'm sure other people have after reading it. The Muhammad Code. And we'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Exome from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. This is Kevin Randall. For nearly 30 years, I have been investigating the case of the Roswell UFO. I have interviewed hundreds of people and stood on the crash site. Now in Roswell in the 21st century, I have reviewed dozens of hours of audio and videotaped interviews, examined hundreds of files that relate to the crash, and have returned to Roswell in an attempt to put all that information into the proper perspective. For the first time in Roswell in the 21st century, I have made a dispassionate reevaluation of all that material and provide a new look at what happened. This is a book that clears away all the clutter that has hidden the truth for so long, strips away the various lies that surround the case, exposes the Air Force attempts at cover-up, and found a core of solid information that tells us all where the case stands today. Roswell in the 21st Century will be available in just a few weeks. For more information, please visit my website at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. Gibbs A. Williams, Ph.D., is a practicing psychoanalyst, supervisor, researcher, and author in New York City. Much of his life has been dedicated to understanding nature and the uses of meaningful coincidences or synchronicities. His radical and original non-Jungian, non-mystical, non-magical theory of synchronicities illuminates much of the fog surrounding this challenging and perplexing topic. His ideas and manners are fresh, presented in a style that is both entertaining and highly informative. He is also an expert on crisis intervention, specially focused on violence reduction for the police and citizens, mastering anxiety, frustration, and stress without the use of medication, and effectively preventing and treating heroin addiction. Dr. Williams can be contacted at his email address at gwwilliamsny11 at aol.com or visit his website at www.drgibbswilliams.com. is recognized as a method to access the quantum level. 
mastery of shamanic skills puts spiritual information and healing power into your hands. Path Home Shamanic Art School, a bonded Colorado certified occupational school, has met rigorous state standards ensuring its director and instructors have the qualifications to teach the shamanic arts. Path Home offers its certification program in blocks of study. Block 1, a five-day intensive, will be held in the beautiful mountain town of Coldale, Colorado, October 13th through 18th. Registration deadline is September 12th. Experience journey trance, power animals, helping spirits, sacred space, and life purpose. Come discover your power. Join me, Gwilda Wiyaka, in the magical world of shamanism. Call 303-775-3431 or visit findyourpathhome.com. Howard Bloom is my special guest this hour, www.howardbloom.net. He is the author of The Muhammad Code. And uh, Howard, you and I were talking about the two suspects in the bizarre weekend in the United States, one of stabbings in uh, Minnesota and the other of bombs in New York right. and New York City. And C- what and I was Jersey. trying to explain mm-hmm. is that kids have a tendency to go back to their roots. So when two Islamic kids who came here at approximately the age of four and grew up in American culture... Uh, look for their roots, what do they find? Well, if they find uh, moderate, pluralist, tolerant Islam, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. But there is a side of Islam that's really at the core of Islam. Why? Because it comes from Muhammad himself. And in Islam, to be righteous, pure, and just, you have to follow in the footsteps of Muhammad. Muhammad is called a model for all time. That's the name of many of the biographies um, of Muhammad. Uh, because he's a role model, he's an archetype, and you have to follow in his footsteps. Well, Muhammad commanded 65 military expeditions. Muhammad personally led 27 of them. Muhammad conquered approximately 315 million square miles of territory a day. And Muhammad enjoyed assassinating people who disagreed with him or having them assassinated. Mm -hmm. And he enjoyed putting entire villages, at least all the men, to death and taking all the women as sex slaves, just like ISIS is doing right now. If that is the Muhammad that you find, um, then we are in trouble. And that is the Muhammad that a small number of Muslims, hopefully a very small number of Muslims, are discovering. And they are cohering around it. And they have help because there are these gorgeously art-directed magazines online from ISIS. They're called Dabiq. Um, And in every issue these days, they call for you as a lone, isolated Muslim who believes in the example of Muhammad to go out into your community with any weapon you can find whether it's a knife, a gun, an explosive, anything, even if you use a truck the way that the Nice uh, attacker did, and kill unbelievers. Um, You don't have to be in touch with ISIS to do it. Um, You don't have to be part of a cell to do it. You just have to have the correct faith, which is the faith in the jihadist interpretation of Muhammad. So it's the jihadist interpretation of Muhammad that was behind the Nice uh, truck incident, It was the uh, jihadist version of Islam that took kids who had grown up in Europe, Muslims who had never been to the Middle East um, in their childhood, but who had grown up in modern Western secular culture. That's what turned them into the makers of the Charlie Hebdo massacre, the uh, Jewish grocery massacre, and especially the Paris massacre, not to mention the Brussels um, massacre. So we have a problem. There is a religion that has at its core a militant jihadist um, interpretation that goes straight back to its founder. Now, we have, that's not the only religion that has this. If you look at the Old Testament, mm-hmm. it is a bloody genocidal book. Oh, it is. It is, and you and, and I've talked about this before. Nobody in the modern world goes back to that example and builds a life based on it. Islam encourages you. Islam says it differentiates itself from all other religions in the world in the following sense. All other religions got the exact truth of God. In other words, they got every single word of the Koran. And they then began to interpret those words generation after generation after generation, and we ended up with the Torah, the Old Testament, the New Testament, um, etc. Those are corruptions. Those are corruptions of God's original world. The, the people who made those into corrupt documents did so by not looking resolutely backward, but instead interpreting things to fit their times. The only people who have ever looked resolutely backward and stayed true to the precise word of God as given to his only true prophet, Muhammad, are the Muslims. In other words, Islam, in Islam you are encouraged to look backward, not forward. 
in Islam, at least in jihadist Islam, you were encouraged to look back to the role model that Muhammad set when he was ruling Medina and later Mecca um, in the 600s. Um, and, and you are encouraged to be faithful to that, to not interpret it at all. And unfortunately, Muhammad loved to have dissidents killed in the middle of the night. And when he was asked by his followers uh, about, there was a man who came to him for mercy that Muhammad had on a hit list, and his brother-in-law pleaded his case before Muhammad. He pleaded the case once, and Muhammad said nothing. He pleaded the case a second time, Muhammad said nothing. He pleaded the case a third time, Muhammad said, finally, okay, let them go. But as soon as these two guys walked out, the brother-in-law arguing the case and the guy who was on the hit list, Muhammad turned to his companions and said, why didn't you strike off his head? And they said, but Muhammad, you didn't tell us to strike off his head. And Muhammad said, a prophet doesn't need to tell you to strike off the head of an enemy of Allah. In other words, the default state for any normal Muhammadan Muslim human being should be to kill those who are regarded as enemies of Allah, and you and I are regarded as enemies of Allah. Now, fortunately, very few Muslims in the world even know about this. But a few, like uh, Ahmed Khan Rahami and Dahir Aiden and those who read Dabiq, the ISIS magazine, they not only know this fact, but they model their lives on it. There's a lot of similarities uh, between these uh, these two suspects and the suspects in San Bernardino, going back until uh, back December. Um, why is it, or how can we, using the technology we have today, block these these uh, recruiting methods that ISIS is using on the internet? Well, Donald Trump is saying that we've got to put these magazines out of business, but Donald Trump doesn't know what he's talking about. Donald Trump says these are magazines on the newsstand and we have to take them off the newsstand. I'm sorry, Donald, they're not on any newsstand anywhere. That's right. They are on the Internet. Yeah. And they originate from uh, servers in very different countries over which we have no control. But I would recommend not blocking them because uh, people like me and you need to know about this. Mm-hmm. This is the environment in which we live. We can't blind ourselves. Um, the, the trick is, I think, we don't know what these kids are being taught in school. I have a Muslim friend who calls himself my Muslim brother. <laughs> and, and he was living, when we first met, in a Muslim community, Sunset Park, out here in Brooklyn. And his family was living all around him. He's a, he's a really terrific, very modern, very yeah. secular human being. But he was forced by his family to send his kids to the local imam for education. He was forced to send them to the local madrasa. And he was scared to death of what his kids might be learning. He had no clue as to what they may be learning, and he, if he questioned it, then he was up against really severe family pressure. Now, by the way, his Muslim neighborhood, on the day of 9-11, when the World Trade Center was going down, mm-hmm. they rejoiced. No. They wouldn't tell you about it. They wouldn't tell me about it. Um, but he knew about it because he was living in that community, and he was very disturbed. He was very upset about it. So the fact is... Muslim kids are being given an education in which a tremendous number of them are being fed Saudi Arabian um, research materials, Saudi Arabian textbooks, and those Saudi textbooks have a very jihadist interpretation of Islam and tell the stories of all of these horrible deeds that Muhammad did as a role model and teach, they teach, hatred of Christians and Jews. So we should know what is being taught in Muslim schools and if they are being taught hatred, if they are being taught something that subverts the order of the United States, despite freedom of speech, that should not be allowed as part of the teaching materials for children. We should also be aware of what's going on in every mosque sermon on a Friday, because those mosque sermons, remember, Islam is not a religion. It is not a religion in our Western sense of the word. It is not something you take out of a shoebox on Sunday and you put back into the shoebox Sunday night and go off and live a life, and then don't touch the shoebox for the rest of the week. Islam is a total system of life. That is a phrase from the Muslim scholars, not from Howard Bloom. And it is a totalitarian system. It is a political system. It is a judicial system. It is a military system. It is even a system of manners and mores. It tells you what direction to urinate in, down to the tiniest little detail. It tells you how to beat your wife. Literally, it tells you how to beat your wife. So if kids are being, if people are getting sermons on a Friday, they are very often political sermons. 
and they are very often about jihad against an enemy, like, for example, Jews. That's the traditional enemy of Islam. According to the Koran, Jews are, were turned into pigs and monkeys by God. That's in the Koran. I'm a Jew. I'm sorry. I've never been a pig or a monkey, nor have any of my ancestors, thank you very much. That's anti-Semitism. That's racism. And we have to be aware of what's being uh, preached on Fridays and what's being taught to kids, because that produces the fertile ground from which people like Dahir Aden and Ahmed Khan Rahami spring. But how do we do that, Howard, without, uh, without uh, the Muslim community crying that, you know, they're being profiled? We do it with the cooperation of the Muslim community. Apparently, we have been able to prevent terrorist attacks primarily because of the cooperation of the Muslim community. Mm-hmm. Now, let's be specific about the Muslim community. CARE, the Council for American-Islamic Relations, represents itself as the only representative of the modernist, pluralist, Muslim community. That's a lie. Care is an offshoot of the Muslim Brotherhood. And Hassan al-Banna, the founder of the Muslim Brotherhood, said that jihad is the first principle of Islam. And he was not talking about an internal struggle. He was talking about killing unbelievers. So let's not be conned by the Council for American-Islamic Relations. But Islamic community members are very concerned about this kind of thing happening in their community. It ruins their lives. They've worked very hard for the lives that they've got here. And so they have turned out, if I understand things correctly, to be our best informants, our best sources for keeping track of the Islamic community. We have to sit down with them and say that we're going to do what the New York police were doing until they were pressured out of doing it, and that is listening to every sermon. And we're not doing it to stop Islam. We're doing it to stop violence. Um, And we have a right to do that. Incitement to violence is something we all have to be aware of, whether it's a Christian religious group in Idaho or a Muslim group here on Atlantic Avenue near me in Brooklyn, which is where the first attempt at the World Trade Center, the first attempt to down it, remember the the attempt that gutted six basement floors in 1993, that attempt was hatched in a mosque um, a 15-minute walk from my home. We should be, and there was also another attack hatched in this neighborhood, my neighborhood, two blocks away from me, to uh, take out the uh, a huge subway station near my home, my in which the Long Island Railroad feeds every single subway line, or almost every single subway line in New York feeds. They could have put New York out of business seriously. Fortunately, the attack was foiled. So we have to continue cooperating with the Muslim community. We have to champion the Muslims, like my Muslim friends would never do anything like this and would never condone it. They would never condone it. But at the same time, we have to be vigilant. We have to watch the mosque sermons, and we have to be aware of what the education is that's given to the kids, because education, its imprint shows up in your life, in your teens, in your 20s, in your 30s. It gives you your sense of what's valuable and important in life. And we can't have people focused on violence against America as the most valuable and important thing you can do, as the most holy thing that you can do. Where did we go wrong when it came when it comes to the 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 uh, the situation we find ourselves in today with the Muslims? Well, we didn't go wrong, um, and yet yet we did. We fail to understand what militant Islam is about. Mm-hmm. We fail to understand how militant Muslim thinks. We fail to understand the example of Muhammad that leads to this kind of thinking. Hillary Clinton says we're going after the bad guys, and she used an important word today, jihadists. She said we're going after the jihadists, right. and she's right. But I wish I had an hour to spend with Hillary to tell her the essence of what's in the Muhammad Code, how a desert prophet brought you ISIS, al-Qaeda, and Boko Haram, or how Muhammad invented jihad. That's the book that you have been kind enough to say very good things about for years. It's been radically updated, radically upgraded, and it's coming out December 13th. There was a Muslim who came up to the, my publisher's tent mm-hmm. yesterday um, near my home here at the Brooklyn Book Festival and said, I'm a Muslim and nothing that you said it is in Islam. It's not in the Koran. And I said, you're absolutely wrong. I spend a lot of time with the Koran. It's in the Koran. It's also in the Hadith. It's also in the first two biographies of Muhammad, which are considered holy. Uh, Ibn Ishaq and Al-Tabari. He said, what's Ibn Ishaq? 
Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exome Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, High Tech with Corey Kay, and every minute of the 24-7, 365 programming of the Exome Broadcast Network by calling 712-432-9459, courtesy of TalkStream Live. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 712-432-9459 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 712-432-9459 for the best of paranormal, new age, thought-provoking, sci-fi radio programming 24-7, 365. Wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? Well then, meet Dr. Kimberly McGeorge and her cutting-edge breakthrough knowledge that combines science with possibility. Dr. Kimberly brings real-life answers and healing to those open to alternative solutions. She teaches solution-based programs and classes that will change all areas of your life forever. Specializing in conscious creation, intuitive readings, and energy medicine, you can rapidly shift health, relationships, business, and money and abundance challenges quickly. Receive her best-selling book, Secret to Everything, at no cost by going to secrettoeverything.com forward slash X zone. That's right. Transformation can start now. Just go to secrettoeverything.com forward slash X zone and receive Dr. Kimberly's book for free. While science pursues fact, magic accesses the quantum level, bridging random facts to form truth. As long as science and magic remain separate and polarized, the truth cannot be known. I'm Gwilda Wiecka. Join me on the Science of Magic radio program, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. During each episode, I'll be speaking with experienced and respected scientists and mystics. From astrologers to astronomers, from medical doctors to shaman, the scientific method to dowsing and intuition, we'll weave together information from seemingly divergent practices to promote unity and enlightenment. Join me, Gwilda Wiyaka, and the Science of Magic right here on the Mutual Broadcast Network. For more information, visit www.thescienceofmagic.net. I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Exonation, Howard Bloom is my special guest this hour, www.howardbloom.net. He is the author of The Muhammad Code and other great books that can be found at his website at www.howardbloom.net. The revised version of The Muhammad Code comes out in December, and I can guarantee you one thing, Exonation, as soon as it comes on, uh, becomes available, we're going to have Howard back on to to rightfully and justifiably promote that great book. <laughs> Howard, we were um, we were talking about the Saudi influence. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, the United States government is allowing American citizens to sue the Saudis. How do you think this is going to go over? Uh, it's very, very tricky, Rob, because when it comes to war crimes, the United States is accused of, uh, the United States and Israel 
are accused of more war crimes than any other nations on the face of the earth. So if we open it up for our citizens to start suing the Saudis, other people are going to start suing us all over the world. And that's going to be very, very bad for us. So much as I agree with these families, and much as those 28 pages, the 28 missing pages Mm -hmm. that uh, Graham in in Florida was pushing for, the former governor of Florida and and former senator from Florida, because he was on the 9-11 commission, and he thought that those 28 pages were blockbusters and we should all see them. Well, I did a, uh, a YouTube episode about them last week. Oh, really? And the, 20, the 28 pages, are not, they are shocking. They really do shock you. But they are not shocking because they implicate the Saudi government in 9-11. They are shocking because they tell you the kinds of people that the Saudi government is supporting in the United States. And the people that the, some of the people that the Saudi government is supporting in the United States is giving all kinds of aid to are horrible monsters. They want to see the downfall of Western civilization. They think it's imminent. They think uh, one of them said that uh, there was a point at which uh, the United States uh, cut down on the number of Saudis that could come into this country as students. And this guy who was being supported by the Saudi government in um, San Diego said it's too late. Um, There are already so many of us here in such important positions that within 10 to 15 years, we can take over the United States and turn this into an Islamic nation under Sharia law. This is rather shocking to read, because these are people who got official government Saudi support. And so the Saudis, Mm -hmm. though they are in certain ways our greatest friends, they've kept oil prices stable, which has helped our economy tremendously. Um, They were regarded, you know, the Prince Bandar of the Saudi royal family, who was the uh, ambassador to the United States, was called Bandar Bush by George W. Bush. In other words, he was an honorary member of the Bush family. He was also an honorary uh, permanent consultant at the White House for 25 years. Um, so we got to look out for the, at the Saudis because the Saudis, about the same time that we were founding America, back in the 1760s and 1770s, the Saudi, um, the, the, the uh, ancestor of the current Saudi royal family cut a deal with a wild-eyed Islamist, jihadist, murderous um, uh, Islamic imam um, named Wahhab. And so Wahhab's ideas, Wahhabism, have become a permanent and permanent cornerstone of the Saudi royal family's way of doing things and a permanent part, a permanent cornerstone of the modern Saudi Arabia. And that version of Islam is wildly jihadist, wildly into making holy war for the sake of conquering the entire world for an Islamic totalitarian government, a caliphate. That's dangerous stuff. And you know how much money the Saudis have spent to inculcate this version of Islam all over the world, building madrasas all over the place, building mosques all over the place, building Islamic centers all over the place, centers that are actually centers for subversion in many cases. They've spent $100 billion dollars that is a huge it is. amount of money. Like, I, I don't think you have that much money yet. <laughs> no, I don't have yeah. that much money yet. But, but, what, uh, but what are the stakes now, Howard, with the United States government allowing the, the um, you know, suing the Saudis? If they hold so many strings here in the United States, what are, what are the consequences going to be? And if there are these Saudis who claim in 10 to 15 years that they will you know, be in control, why don't we just find out who they are and ship their sorry asses out? Well, uh, I do think that we should have a, a bit more surveillance. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but again, our primary surveillors are the members of the Muslim community who believe in the American system. The real consequence of all of this is that the Saudis control almost a trillion dollars of capital. They have almost a trillion dollars invested in the United States. This is a $17 trillion economy. That's a very big chunk of the American economy. And they have threatened to pull their money out of the United States, which could cause major, major problems. I think Donald Trump, who I loathe and despise, who is a master, he is the king of lies. He is the master of self-deception. He is a delusional madman. He would destroy the United States. Nonetheless, is right when he calls for more restrictive Mm -hmm far more restrictive immigration to the United States from Muslim countries. Um, In fact, Hillary Clinton, remember Donald Trump has called for extreme vetting 
Yes. And um, so did Hillary Clinton today. She called for extreme vetting. I think that vetting is necessary, but we can't see around walls, and we can't see what the next generation and the generation beyond that are going to be like. They haven't been born yet, or they're mm. still children. So, um, so, we have so, to be very, very cautious with Islam because it is, it is the closest thing. You know, we were against Marxism because it was a totalitarian system that wanted to overthrow the American government right. through a violent revolution. That's what Islam wants. The same thing. It's a totalitarian system that wants to overthrow the American government and replace it with a Muslim government in which Islam is supreme over everything, and we all have to live according to Islamic laws if we manage to live at all. So why are we letting them get away we, with what we, they we are? Be. We absolutely shouldn't be. The idea of 10,000 Syrian refugees scares the heck out of me. The idea of 35,000 Saudi refugees, the 10,000 is what Barack Obama is letting in, the 35,000 is what Hillary Clinton has suggested letting in, and even though I support her for president, that is a madman scheme. That is a suicidal gesture. It should never happen. Um, so I wish I could get to the, the Clinton mm-hmm. um, folks, you know, that the Office of the Secretary of Defense did throw for him based on one of my books and brought in people from the State Department, the Energy Department, DARPA, IBM, and MIT. And the person I had, I, I flew in from California yesterday to do the book festival, and then I had drinks with a friend who was on her way to the Clinton Global Initiative, where there are foreign ministers and heads of NGOs and Clintons. I would love to be able to get to these people and explain some of these things to them. Um, But um, nobody is explaining these things right now. There are a couple of words in in, uh, Islamic thought Mm -hmm. that basically mean lying. Muhammad said war is deception. War is lying to people. And the difficulty is that when you've got a guy like Ahmed Khan uh, Rahani, Mm -hmm. the, the guy who planted all those bombs in New York and New Jersey, uh, over the weekend, everybody thought he was the sweetest man in the world. Everybody thought he was wonderful. Everybody thought he was he was kind. He was generous, and in his heart, look what he was brewing. Yeah. And but he is told if he is brewing something like that by this tradition of lying that Muhammad himself set to keep his mouth shut. Well, you know, he the, does the deed itself. You know the old so we saying. We have a difficult time. How do we know which of our friends who are lovely, wonderful people who yeah. are Muslims are really lovely, wonderful people? And if some small number or just one among them can be harboring this kind of violence in his heart. It's a real ethical conundrum. Well, you know the old saying, you stay close to your friends, closer to your enemies. Yes, that's true. And so that's why I invited the Muslim who wanted to debate me yesterday mm-hmm. to debate me some more. But he said something very important. He said that he believes in debate in which you remain civil and friendly, um, and so do I. I just said, I don't want dawah. Dawah is the attempt to convert others. And it goes on the premise that since since Islam is the clear and obvious truth from God himself, that if you just sit down and calmly discuss it for a couple of hours with a non-believer, the non-believer will see how clear, rational, and basic Islam is and become a Muslim. I just don't want him performing dawah on me when I do not come over to his point of view. I still want him to like me. I still want to be able to like him. I still want to be able to be friends. Sure. That's the American way as opposed to the Muslim way. What? What's the holdup here when it comes to, you know, just just taking these people, shipping them out? Like, if there, the proof is day by day that there is a national security risk here. Right. There is a national security risk. We can't just scoop up people because they're Muslim and start shipping them out of the United States. Why that not? Would, that would be very reminiscent of what we did with the Japanese in World War II. Of course, we had, Rob, nobody ever tells you this. Mm. We had good reason for scooping up the Japanese. Um, and putting them in internment camps during World War II. Right. Because the Japanese government was a totalitarian fascist government that believed that Japanese were a superior race directly descended from the sun goddess and that Americans were mongrels and that Japan should take over the United States. Well, wait a sec, that, that's, uh, that sounds so familiar. That part is... of that racial group and should take the place over. So there was more reason than we are told these days. All right, but it sounds so interning- familiar. It sounds exactly with what... The, the the jihadists want to do the same thing that ISIS wants to do. Which tells you it's a basic human pattern. But one thing about Islam is it has been around for 1,400 years, yeah. and it has continually grown. It is the least likely religion to ever take off in the world because it came from a group of desert nomads mm-hmm. who, had, who hadn't been heard of by anybody in the major leagues 
in among the world powers at the time, and there were world superpowers, huge ones at the time. Nobody ever heard of these people. Their chances of founding a religion that would take the biggest empire in the history of the world, 11 times the size of the conquest of Alexander the Great, right. five times the size of the Roman Empire, and seven times the size of the United States, hey, their chances were zero. So there is something special in Islam from a sociological, uh, a, a historiographic um, point of view that we have to come to understand if we're going to understand human nature and the forces of history. That's one of the reasons I've been so engaged with Islam for 45 years, when that is my goal, to understand the forces of history. It is one of the most phenomenal things ever to happen on the planet. What happens? You're right. It's echoed by things like Hitler's Nazism, mm -hmm. by things like the Japanese nationalism yeah. that was allied with Hitler's Nazism. It appeals to something basic in the human soul. Doesn't appeal to me. Doesn't appeal to me either. So why uh, does it appeal to some and not to others? But think of Ahmad Khan Rahami. His father founded a restaurant, First American Fried Chicken, in Linda, New Jersey. Yeah. Um, it was a popular place. But the family periodically ran into financial difficulties. Um, in roughly 2006, um, his father went through bankruptcy. He had $38,000 in credit card debt and $100 in the bank. And he absolved himself of his debts, his $38,000 in debts, through bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. And then two weeks ago, a for sale sign went up on the restaurant. And by now, it was Ahmed Khan Rahami himself who was the primary figure in the place, the one behind the counter all the time. If you run into difficulties in your life and militant Islam, jihadist Islam, tells you you can, have, you can be part of something higher than yourself. You can be part of a magnificent historical global purpose, God's own purpose for the world. And if you are killed in the process of killing unbelievers in order to spread God's own religion, you go directly to paradise. Well, sometimes paradise seems like a far more logical place to be than hell on earth especially when your family is having financial difficulties and it's all landing on your shoulders. I'll be back on the other side of this break. Howard Bloom is my guest, ExoNation, www.howardbloom.net. He's the author of The Muhammad Code. And uh, if I had my way, what I would do is I would fence, I would put a big wall around parts of Africa that need to be populated. I would put all the Syrians and all the Muslims there and let them start all over again where they couldn't be a threat to anyone. I'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. As host of Dialogue with Divinity, I am thrilled to join the Exxon Broadcast Network and their growing number of affiliates. My quest for a connection to the divine ignited my successful career path as an international spiritual counselor for over 40 years, an author of four books, and well-known metaphysical educator. My clients call me their spiritual mama. So my job is to offer you a radio show to help you grow spiritually with wisdom and get specific tools from guests who are experts in their field. Tune in to Dialogue with Divinity and be part of the conversation with Spirit. My goal, your happy soul. For more information, please visit my website at johannacarroll.com. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exome Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, High Tech with Corey Kay, and every minute of the 24-7, 365 programming of the Exome Broadcast Network by calling 712-432-9459, courtesy of TalkStream Live. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 712-432-9459 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 712-432-9459 for the best of paranormal, new age, thought-provoking, sci-fi radio programming 24-7-365. 
Coming soon to the Exxon Broadcast Network is a different perspective with me, Kevin Randall, as your host. We'll be taking a close look at what is happening in the world of UFOs today with side trips into the paranormal. Guests will range from those who are household names to those who have a different perspective on a variety of topics. No topic will be taboo, but there will be tough questions asked as we all search for the truth about UFOs, the paranormal, and those things that excite us. Sometimes we'll agree with a guest and sometimes we won't, but we'll try to keep the program topical. For those of you who would like to read, be sure to visit www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com and remember to listen to the other fine programs on the X-Zone Broadcast Network at www.xzbn.net. This is Kevin Randall. For nearly 30 years, I have been investigating the case of the Roswell UFO. I have interviewed hundreds of people and stood on the crash site. Now in Roswell in the 21st century, I have reviewed dozens of hours of audio and videotaped interviews, examined hundreds of files that relate to the crash, and have returned to Roswell in an attempt to put all that information into the proper perspective. For the first time in Roswell in the 21st century, I have made a dispassionate reevaluation of all that material and provide a new look at what happened. This is a book that clears away all the clutter that has hidden the truth for so long, strips away the various lies that surround the case, exposes the Air Force attempts at cover-up, and found a core of solid information that tells us all where the case stands today. Roswell in the 21st Century will be available in just a few weeks. For more information, please visit my website at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. What happened in Benghazi is revealed by Nicholas Genix, author of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi. He informs the American people that President Obama deceived them by advocating a strong foreign policy prior to the 2012 presidential election, and Hillary Clinton supported this deception. As the title infers, there is a connection between Obama, Islam, and Benghazi. Ample evidence informs Americans that Obama's early indoctrination in the Quran developed an infinity for Islam, why the Quran is the source of discontent in many countries, and why the Obama foreign policy deception led to poor military action and caused the loss of American lives in Benghazi. Genix provides 36 questions for the Select Committee on Benghazi to validate if Americans are justified to mistrust President Obama and Hillary Clinton. An overview of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi is presented on the website www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Afterlife expert Roberta Grimes was the first one to say that dying can be fun. Now her best-selling book, The Fun of Dying, is available in stores worldwide. So if you wonder whether death ends life, how it feels to die, or what heaven might be like, The Fun of Dying was written for you. And if you have always been afraid of death, or if you worry that your life is no meaning, let The Fun of Dying ease your fears and bring new meaning to your life. Nothing said in The Fun of Dying is based on the teachings of any religion. Instead, Roberta draws on evidence to explain how death happens, how it feels, and what comes next. A lot of the best death-related evidence was produced in the first half of the 20th century. When it is put together with recent discoveries, it tells a consistent and amazing story. Roberta Grimes blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Her wonderful book, The Fun of Dying, is available on Amazon and at stores worldwide wherever books are sold. Don't forget, Exonation, if you'd like to become part of the satellite search for UFOs, go to www.cubesat.tech. Howard Bloom is my special guest, a good friend of the Exxon. www.howardbloom.net. He is the author of The Mohammed Code with, that is going to be coming back out in uh, December. And uh, Howard, always great having you with us. But let me ask you, you know, you talked about Donald Trump in the segment before. What else would you like to tell us about Donald? 
Well, something very important emerged this week, and it can't, we can't allow it to be obscured okay. by uh, Dahiradan and Ahmed Khan Rahami, by the bombings and the, the knife slashings. It's this. Donald Trump, for approximately seven years, has been the best-known promoter of the birther theory. Yes. That, um, that uh, Barack Obama is not an American citizen, he was not born on American soil, that he's some sort of a peculiar Manchurian candidate <laughs> planted here from God knows where, Kenya or something like that, that he's a closet Muslim and he's a closet communist. And he was here to Islamize and to communize uh, American society. This week, Donald Trump was boxed into a corner and finally had to admit that Barack Obama was born in the United States. But the way he admitted it was filled with lies, 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 and a kind of brutal self-delusion that is marginally psychotic and certainly doesn't belong anywhere near the White House of the United States. He announced that Hillary Clinton was the one who started the birther rumor. But Hillary is not a closer. And as a consequence, Hillary was never able to force Barack Obama to reveal his complete birth certificate. But Donald Trump is a closer. So Donald Trump jumped in on the birther thing that Hillary Clinton had started. And as a closer, he forced Barack Obama to put out his birth certificate. That story is total baloney. Everybody who has watched the news, every single citizen, who has been following the news, should understand that that is malarkey and that it is, it is pathological. Hillary Clinton did not come up with the birther controversy. Donald Trump didn't come up with it either, but he certainly grabbed onto it very early. Um, and he became a powerful proponent for it. He even offered $5 million to somebody who would come up with this birth certificate. But as usual, when Donald Trump says he's going to pay out money to anybody, the money never arrives, whether it's to veterans or anybody else. He's up, he's up, sorry, I have to control my language. He is a liar. Um, and that he thought anybody would believe this bizarre and absurd story in which he aggrandizes himself and makes himself the closer, when in fact he was not the person who got Barack Obama to reveal his birth certificate. Not by any stretch of the imagination. This story alone qualifies Donald Trump not for the White House, but for the nut house, and we can't afford a nuclear nut in Washington. Well, At least that, in my humble well, biased opinion. You know, that, that's, that's your opinion, and you know, I, I respect your opinion, Howard. I always have now as well. But I've got to tell you something. I'd rather see Donald Trump in the White House than Hillary Clinton and uh, Bill Clinton back in there. Well, remember, under the Clinton machine, uh, the phrase Clinton machine comes from the Trump campaign, under the Clinton machine, um, we added more jobs uh, than we ever have in, Amer in modern American history. Under Ronald Reagan, uh, we added uh, 10,000 jobs mm -hmm. in the first six years of Barack Obama. We added 12,000 jobs. These are all jobs in the private sector, by the way. And under um, Bill Clinton, we added 20 million new jobs, almost twice as many as under Ronald Reagan. And all of the policies that uh, Donald Trump has put forward that he claims are going to be radical, revolutionary, and new, are old laffer curve, old what, what um, uh, George Bush, the elder, called voodoo economics. They are all left over from the Reagan era. They are no different except for his wanting to build massive trade barriers, which a bunch of economists just said today will produce the next great American recession. But you know, so I, I, I can see you doubting the Clinton family because yeah. there's been 25 years of propaganda against them. At least 17, uh, at least 12, 10 million dollars has been sent to generate spent to generate that propaganda, and it's scary stuff. Uh, the idea that they killed Vince Foster, <laughs> oh God, and uh, and a whole bunch of other things. I mean, uh, there there are problems. But did you see the Newsweeks? There's an amazing Newsweek story that everybody should see. And it's on Donald Trump's foreign connections and how by making certain policy decisions in the White House, he can make himself even richer than he is today. That's dangerous. Well, the same thing Hillary Clinton's been doing ever since she was Secretary of State. Well, the point that's been made and the stuff that I've just seen over the last 24 hours yeah. is that the Clintons don't take any money from the Clinton Foundation. And whereas Donald Trump's foundation is there to support Donald Trump and all of his overseas mm -hmm. uh, enterprises are there to enrich the Trump family. You know, I, I, I look at it the way the, poli the political uh, 
stand is being played in the states, and it's it's lopsided in in Hillary's favor. The president yeah. is on her side. The vice president's on her side. All these people that she served with are on her side. Whether she's good or not, she'll get the pat on the back, the slap on the butt, and away you go, Hillary. You're great. It's not fair. Well, remember, uh, a whole mess of generals, this is, goes all the way back to the convention, 30 mm-hmm. generals and admirals came out in favor of her, 50 uh, Republican policy uh, wonks mm-hmm. came out in favor of her, um, and, and many of the people who came out in favor of her in the security community were people who had worked with her. The generals in particular had worked with her, so they know her temperament, they know her approach. She's not. I uh, not was not my first choice of candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, none of the candidates were my first choice of candidate. Or even Bernie Sanders had big flaws. Um, but this is what we're up against. It's Hillary versus Donald, and Donald is delusional. So, and Donald is out to enrich he, himself at all costs. He may be delusional. And, and Donald, all you have to do is is say something flattering to yeah. Donald, the way Vladimir Putin did, and suddenly he becomes your lap poodle. Your lapdog. Oh, I don't. Um, I don't think so. I. But I, I think that what happens is, is that Putin sees and respects Donald Trump as a business person and not a politician who just flaps his gums and does nothing. Like how many red lines did did, did Obama place in the sand in Syria that he did nothing about? You and I talked about this. Putin well, we looks talked at, about it a lot. I Putin was looks, very bitter about Putin it. Putin looks at it was only Putin, one red line. But yeah. it was breaking that red line that totally broke his credibility and yeah. the credibility of the United States. There have been a lot of things that have been done wrong. But ISIS is being pared back, peeled back. Um, it's very hard to tell how close we are to Raqqa. But until um, Erdogan, the, the dictator in mm-hmm. Turkey, who, um, who's also met Donald Trump, um, until Erdogan started cutting away at the Kurds who were helping us retake ISIS territory, um, the they were busy. The Kurds were busy cutting off Raqqa, which is the capital of the Islamic State, um, and they were on the verge of losing Mosul. Now I haven't been able to follow what's been happening in Mosul and uh, uh, near Raqqa for the last two weeks. There have been very few reports, and mm-hmm. it's hard to find anything on it. But we've been steadily nibbling away at the territory of ISIS. And believe me, the way that we're doing it would be better than the way Donald Trump would do it with a nuclear weapon or something of the sort, something absolutely absurd and grotesque. Um, maybe maybe if somebody to, had the balls to drop a nuke on these people, they'd get the hint. But well, we're past Donald what, Trump feels. But what we're so doing is all, all we're doing um, is all we're doing is about the current status yeah. of our nuclear weapons. He's saying he has said, if we've got them, why don't we use them? And the difficulty is, who wants to trigger World War III? Well, wait a sec. We uh, used remember, to, well, wait a minute. Howard, the Howard, Howard, in which ISIS resides, Howard, we used territory the territory in which Iran and its ally Russia have interests, and Russia's ally is China. Yeah, but listen, so Howard, 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 Howard. We used the nuclear weapons on Japan twice. That's true. And Japan is doing the same. Japan is doing the same. Howard, Howard, hello. Howard, um, yo, yep, I'm not finished talking. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. You know, you know, it's funny how we boot the shit, you know, the shite out of the Japanese, but we're right. afraid of Muslims. The Americans are afraid, afraid of the we're Muslims. Afraid of Russia, which has uh, tons of nuclear weapons, um, we are afraid of China, which has nuclear weapons aimed at us. We have to do something about North Korea, and I would very gladly bomb the hell out of their um, their military installations. But we'd have to work it out with the Chinese. But gosh, we can't do anything. Sort, we have to work with we have to work with Russia and China to the best of our abilities. We have to have diplomatic ability. But we can't well, do anything to the Muslims. Uh, Donald Trump. There's no question about that. But you see, we he can't another, do. He sees a model of himself in Donald Trump. But you see, we can't do anything. America, we can't do anything to the Muslims because. Everybody is too damn politically correct when it comes to dealing with the Muslims. God help us if we do anything to the Muslims. They can blow us up. They can kill thousands oh, no, the on 9-11. Blow us up. Our problem is Russia and China. Too. No, well, wait a sec. I'm talking about 9-11. Remember that date? The Twin Towers? Oh, I watched the it. The Pentagon? I watched it from my roof. It was heartbreaking. You know, and yet, and yet, we still forget that these were Muslims. And yet oh. we still let them into the country because we're well, too we damn politically correct. I totally agree with Donald Trump. We're too damn politically correct. 
and right. it's about and time that we get politicians. I wouldn't be putting out uh, the Mohammed yeah. code. How a desert prophet brought you ISIS, Al Qaeda, and Boko Haram. It's about or how Muhammad invented jihad. It's about time that we kick them in the ass. It's either they play by our rules because where the plane lands, it also takes off from. And if right. you don't like it, go home. Go back to your desert. Go back to your mud huts. Right. Well, it's uh, <laughs> it's an interesting idea. We disagree, but since we love each other and have been friends for 15 years, <laughs> that's fine. It's, it fits the need of intelligent discourse. All right, my friend, we've got to say so long for tonight. Howard Bloom has been our guest this hour, www.howardbloom.net. And um, stay tuned. I'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Mm-hmm.